What's up, guys? This is Mike. This is Dave, and you're listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is Mike, and you're listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast, where we are going to give you our preview for the 2021 to 2022 NFL season. And what's up, everybody? This is Dave. And normally we do a little bit of an intro. We just kind of chat back and forth, talk about whatever is going on in our lives or in the sports world or whatever. But we've got a lot of teams to get through today. Uh, We've got a pretty extensive tier list that we've created uh, to kind of break down this NFL season. And we think it might take a little while. So we're going to go ahead and just get straight into it. Because usually we would each pick like three teams to talk about or whatever. Like that's how we did our NBA draft preview and everything. No, we're going to talk to you about all 32 teams. Like Dave said, we've organized a tier list, which we're going to share on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Mike and Dave pod so that you can visually check out what we've done. And that's going to be in the same order, the same categories. So just to break that down real quick, we organized the 32 NFL teams into five tiers. So we have Super Bowl favorites, Super Bowl contenders, Super Bowl hopefuls, long shots, and no shots. So we're going to go from the bottom to the top and tell you in which category we think every single team belongs. And we're going to do that in order as well. So number 32 will be the team that we think has the least chance of winning the Super Bowl this year. And number one will obviously be the team that that we think has the best chance of winning the Super Bowl. So not only do you get that division of, okay, well, this group, the long shots, has a better chance than this group, the no shots. But within that long shot category, for example, you'll see which teams within that category have a better shot than others in that same tier. So again, we're going to share that for you so you can follow along visually. But we're just going to go ahead and go right into that. So some of these you'll see were much easier than others, but Dave, number 32 out of 32, what NFL team has the least shot of winning the Super Bowl to start off our no shot tier? It was between, I think, two teams, but we ended up deciding on the Houston Texans. I mean, what can you say about this franchise right now? It's a complete mess. It was a complete mess before Deshaun Watson had all of these accusations coming in against him. But especially now with that uncertainty at quarterback, I mean, this is a team that I think has one of the least talented rosters in the NFL, one of the worst front offices in the NFL, and I'm not confident in their coaching staff whatsoever. That's a tri- <laughs> that's the trifecta you don't want to have right there. And I I just can see no way of the Texans actually being able to either compete this year, much less win the Super Bowl. They've been getting rid of their superstars left and right. Within the last year and a half, we've seen DeAndre Hopkins leave. We've seen J.J. Watt leave. And then you mentioned Deshaun Watson is up in the air. The one asterisk I'll give to this team is that Deshaun Watson's presence on any team, I think gives that team a puncher's chance because he's magical on the field. But yeah, without Deshaun Watson, like you said, this is the worst looking team top to bottom. Um, 31, 
This one pains me a little bit. Just a little bit. Detroit Lions. Uh, you don't have a shot. Uh, I want to see what Dan Campbell does there. I'm curious to see like the uh, the impact that he has. Not just like strategically, but on their culture. From his interviews, he seems to fit the spirit of Detroit a little bit. Um, but I want to see how that plays up. I'm looking at their previous two first rounders. I love Penny Sewell. You know that. But when you draft an O-lineman in the first round, that's not a player that's going to come in and immediately produce wins. Unless you're Tristan Wirfs last year. Unless you're Tristan Wirfs, who put respect on his name. That man had one of the best rookie seasons of all time. Like I look at him and Quentin Nelson in the same conversation of like, holy shit, what a good way to start your career as an offensive lineman. But then last year they had Jeff Akuda, who if we had had a if we had had our podcast a year earlier, you would have heard me shitting all over him before the draft. And he had like you had read us that out to me, I think like a week or so ago, qualifying exactly how shitty he is. It was like one of the worst seasons like for a rookie corner and he was also like the worst corner in football among like qualifying snaps played or something. And they got rid of Matt Stafford for Jared Goff. Yeah. I mean, and Kenny Galladay, their number one receiver gone. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is a team that obviously it's the Lions. Like they haven't competed for a long time. TJ Hawkinson, I like. <laughs> DeAndre Swift, I like. Trey Flowers. Yeah, Trey Flowers. But just in general, this roster is not capable of winning a Super Bowl this year. They brought in a new general manager, a new head coach to try and build from the very bottom <laughs> all the way up. And I guess it's not <laughs> the very bottom because there's one team below them, but it's pretty close. And you could argue that they should be the bottom. So hopefully the Lions won't just be terrible forever but I expect that to continue this year. Moving on to number 30, another team who every single year is inept in pretty much every single way, a lot of times in an embarrassingly poor fashion, the New York Jets. Didn't even have to say the name of the team. I think everybody kind of knew that was coming. Um, of course, they, they drafted Zach Wilson, number two overall last year. He's an exciting player. I'm excited to see what he looks like on an NFL field. Um, as a, as their starter this year, I'm just not convinced by, well, it's the Jets. So of course I'm not convinced. Um, they have, a, they have some decent pieces. Their offensive line isn't terrible, but it's also not great. They signed Corey Davis to be their number one receiver. I mean, Corey Davis isn't the number one receiver. I'm sorry. Um, defense is not up to snuff. Um, and of course, like I said, it's the Jets. You got to prove it to me. And, uh, that's why they come in at number 30. I'm going to foreshadow something. That phrase that you use at the end, you got to prove it to me. Y'all are going to hear that multiple times later on. But remember when Jamal Adams left the Jets and there was all that stuff coming out about like culture and everything and the, the locker room and the coaching environment, the G, like the front office, all that. I feel like that's just really indicative of what this Jets franchise has become. Like think about Sam Darnold and like he went in there with not as much hype as Zach Wilson has, but he was expected to be good. And it's just hard for a rookie or young, otherwise young quarterback to thrive in that situation. And I feel bad for Zach Wilson because it's not his fault. I just, I don't know how they expect him to succeed there. Like you said, Corey Davis is not a number one option. Yeah. This, 
look for these three teams to be drafting like around the top three in next year's draft. So the Jets had the number two pick. Our next team, number one pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars. We got them at number 29. How much impact do you think Trevor Lawrence is really going to have immediately? He's going to add a couple wins. He's not going to set the world on fire and push them into the playoffs. I think just naturally he's going to add a couple wins because they only won one game last year. I don't expect that to continue <laughs> again this year, but they're they're in the no shots category for a reason. No shot that they win the Super Bowl. Um, Trevor Lawrence, obviously a generational talent. He's he's I, I expect him to be solid from the get go. Travis Etienne just had that injury. He's going to be out for the whole season. I don't. They have some decent weapons there. I will say. Um, and they've, they've got some pieces on, on defense, but again, this is a team that only won one game last year. I don't care who you drafted number one overall. That's not going to take you from worst to first. So that's why the Jags are coming in at 29. Speaking of quarterbacks who were drafted number one overall, uh, number 28, the Bengals, uh, of course, Joe Burrow, your most important player, your franchise quarterback, had completely gotten decimated by other teams' defenses because your offensive line is literally trash. And yet, you go and then you just draft another receiver. To which, to be fair, Jamar Chase is a beast. It doesn't matter how good the receivers are if the quarterback doesn't have enough time in the pocket. Reports coming out of training camp for the Bengals have shown that Joe Burrow isn't exactly looking like the same guy like he was before the injury. Of course, once they put the pads on for week one, maybe he'll he'll be back, you know, come back to form. Um, to be fair, Jamar Chase has also had a pretty bad preseason as well. Um, but the Bengals, I think they have a little bit more talent. But again, this is a team that's just kind of been struggling and for a while now. And if they don't fix that offensive line, then I don't see that changing anytime soon. It's like they drafted Jonah Williams and went, eh, that ought to do it. Yeah, I w- <laughs> if you've been listening to our podcast from the get-go, we appreciate you, but that means you'll have heard me say Penny Sewell like 50 times, and you'd know by now that's who I was high on in this draft. Bengals should have gotten him, like you said. They didn't. Joe Burrow is going to get demolished again. Bengals will be drafting really high in the draft again, and they probably will ignore the O-line again. And then next year, we'll put them right back at the bottom. 27, the New York Giants. Now we're approaching the NFC least, right? The NFC East, the worst division in the NFL. And I think we, yeah, we decided that the Eagles will be the worst in that division. Or I'm sorry, the Giants will be the worst in that division. Okay, you got Saquon. Coming off of an injury. Yeah. <laughs> Coming off the injury, Saquon. You got Kenny Galladay. Injured already. Injured already. You got Daniel Jones. First phrase coming to mind is turnover prone. And then the next thing coming to mind is second year regression. Second year is supposed to be the development year, and he just wasn't, he didn't develop enough. Yeah, Daniel Jones, nobody, nobody thought that was a good pick originally nobody thinks it was a good pick now 
I mean, Dave Gettleman, not the guy. We've already talked about the fact that he's just not good at addressing anything. Um, shout out to you if you know what if you know what that's from. If you remember that play where Daniel Jones broke free last season and he was about to have this eighty yard touchdown and then just he like untouched by anybody else, just drops literally drops the ball. That is like the Giants in a nutshell. Like, oh shit, is this bad decision actually gonna work out? Nah. No, it is not. I think there's like sleeper vibes to the Giants every year, and it just never actually works out. And they get the dishonorable distinction of being the least of the NFC least. So uh, congratulations or not, Giants. Number 26, we talked about Sam Darnold a little bit earlier. We've got the Carolina Panthers in here at number 26. Maybe this is what Sam Darnold needed. Maybe he just needed that change of scenery so he could stop seeing all those ghosts up there in New York. The Panthers, they they've got some they've got some talent for sure. I'm a I'm a believer in their in that defense. They have a lot of really solid pieces. And I mean, you've got Christian McCaffrey, you've got a couple of really good receivers, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore. The real question though, is Sam Darnold gonna be that upper level quarterback? who's finally going to be, like, now that he's out of New York, is he actually going to fulfill all that promise that he showed at USC? We were talking about this earlier. Sam Darnold's not winning the Super Bowl this year. That, there ain't no way, and that's why they're in the no-shots. We have the Panthers and one other team left in the no-shots, so truly we are moving into, like, we are approaching that long-shot category. But, yeah, I agree. Sam Darnold is not winning the Super Bowl, at least not this year, and here we'll use that phrase again that I promised. Prove it. Like I want I do believe that Sam Darnold is better than he looked in the in New York. I do. But it's not enough for me to just say I believe that. I have to see it happen. Number twenty five. This is the last of our no shots. The Chicago Bears. You draft Justin Fields. First of all, great pick. I'm not gonna bash that at all. That is 100% the right pick. Now, there's this interesting concept between doing what's best for the team versus doing what's best for the franchise. In other words, doing the right thing for the short term or doing the right thing long term. And right now, it seems that Justin Fields should wait a year. Um, and that's the position that the Bears coaching staff is taking, and I think it's the right one. Andy Dalton, I think, is the right move just so that you protect your future a little bit. In a couple of years, give us the Bears. I think Justin Fields will be good. I think he is a franchise quarter or has the potential to be a franchise quarterback. But right now, they've named Dalton the starter. And Dalton, while I don't think is as bad as people make it out to be, bottom five starting quarterback. He deserve he's basically like your he's good enough to technically start in the NFL. But if he's starting on your team there's a reason that you drafted another, that you have a rookie quarterback too. Yeah. Andy Dalton's not going to excite anybody unless they love gingers. That's just the fact. The bears, it's a, it's a tough one for me. I, obviously they're right on that threshold of being a long shot. They're getting Terry, Cohen back from injury. Uh, David Montgomery had a really strong finish to his year last year. Allen Robinson continues to thrive despite the lackluster quarterback play in Chicago. 
Darnell Mooney had a really great rookie season last year out of nowhere. And Cole Komet could be, this could be his breakout year as well at tight end. Um, defense, obviously, they've got Khalil Mack still. He's still one of the best pass rushers. Roquan Smith at middle linebacker. Do they have enough to win a Super Bowl? I think once again, those question marks at quarterback, and I think you've probably started to see a trend here. Question marks at quarterback are going to ding you because let's be honest, that's the most important position in the NFL. You can't win without a good quarterback. I just don't foresee them winning the Super Bowl, which is why they they just end up in the no shots category, number 25. But number 24, another team with question marks at quarterback, um, but just managed to sneak into the long shots category. It's the Philadelphia Eagles. And of course, the quarterback that I'm talking about is Jalen Hurts. Hurts, I think, has the potential to be a really good player. Uh, obviously, a, a two-way threat, uh, both running and throwing the ball. Loved that pick of Devontae Smith in the draft. Um, him, Jalen Rager, Dallas Goddard. Not the most inspiring group of pass catchers in the world, uh, but their offensive line can't be as bad as it was last year. Jason Kelsey was the only guy who was consistent on that line. I think they they had like 13 different offensive line starters. That's just ridiculous. And that there's just no way that can happen again. And continuity is one of the biggest things on an offensive line. Even if they're not the, the most talented, the communication and the chemistry between those guys is really important. The, the Eagles are still going to be in that long shot c- category. I don't think we can expect them to really contend. Um, they are in the NFC East, so... Anything can happen as far as winning the division, but I don't see I don't foresee them winning a playoff game for sure. If the Eagles weren't in the NFC least, I'd put them in no shot. One thing you'll hear a few times from me is that the division really matters here for me. The Washington football team made the playoffs last season at seven and nine. Really, anything can happen in the NFC least. Though according to us, we don't think the Giants are coming out of it. But I look at Jalen Hurts as a guy that can really rally a locker room. He is a born leader. I would be I would not be surprised if he had a breakout year. Um takes advantage of that starting role. Pairs with Devontae Smith, has some success and wins just enough games to get in the playoffs. And technically, you know, like if you're in the playoffs then you are at least at the very least a long shot. Number twenty three, Denver Broncos. That quarterback battle has been decided. They've announced that Teddy Bridgewater will be the starting quarterback. So we can now no longer say that Teddy Bridgewater is the best backup quarterback in the NFL. Congratulations to Teddy. Is Teddy the quarterback that can lead you to a Super Bowl? He's okay. I don't know if he's taking anyone anywhere. Yeah, that that defense in Denver is not quite what it used to be. I mean, you still got Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. Justin Simmons, one of the best safeties, if not the best safety in the NFL. But... There's just question marks at the quarterback position. Cortland Sutton's coming back from that injury. Jerry Judy is not going to have as bad of a year this year as he had last year. I think that was a, a real shocker in kind of the lack of production that he had, especially when Cortland Sutton was out. Uh, Noah Fant is still there, obviously. KJ Hamler. They've got some decent weapons there. But again, that, that question mark at quarterback puts him in that long shot category. Number 22, we've got the Washington football team. Fitzmagic making his debut for the football for the football team. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick deserves his opportunity 
to, to just go ahead and be the starter from day one and not really have anybody breathing down his neck. Um, I am curious to see how he will perform in this offense. The defense, we already know the defense is, is solid. That's the reason why they got to seven. <laughs> they got to seven and nine and won the division last year. Uh, they have one of the best defensive lines in football on the offensive side. Uh, Terry McLaurin, definitely one of the up and coming receivers in the NFL. Logan Thomas at tight end had a really breakout season as well. He was a really big target for them. Um, and Antonio Gibson at running back, a guy who didn't even really play that much running back in college. He had a pretty solid season last year. And I think this year could be a breakout year for him as well. So there are definitely, there's definitely a chance of things to click for this team. But, you know, I, I also believe in Ron Rivera. I think he's a great coach. Um, I think Washington's lucky to have him. But is, are they still a long shot to win the Super Bowl? Obviously. Are they a long shot to win the division? I wouldn't say that. I I, I would say that they potentially compete with the Cowboys, uh, who will come up a little bit later. But yeah, I feel a little bit better about Washington than some of these other teams so far. I agree for sure. And it's mainly, like you said, because of that defense. There's no question that they have the best defense in the NFC at least. So that's going to win them games regardless of how their offense does. And we've seen Fitzpatrick's ability to rally the troops. Sometimes you just can't say enough about players that really galvanize their team. And that's something that Fitzpatrick has done like time and time again, even when he goes to new teams, like everyone just backs him up. I think that's a good player for this team to have. But I'm going to go ahead and move into number 21. If you're sitting here wondering, geez, are they going to say this team yet or what? Atlanta Falcons. We're, we're a long shot. So you're saying there's a chance. Matt Ryan. Overpaid. But as I've said before, is Matt Ryan a quarterback that can win a Super Bowl? I think so. I think the salary gets in the way and he's not going to be the type of quarterback that's like, oh, okay, I'm dragging y'all over the line. But I don't think he's like garbage. It's just that he's he's making way more money than he's worth. It's not that he's a bad quarterback. We still have like decent players. Yes, we got rid of Julio. We don't know how good Kyle Pitts is going to be. Calvin Ridley's good. I'm interested to see what Arthur Smith's going to do as our new coach. We saw the impact that he had on Ryan Tannehill. I want to see how he interacts with Mike Davis. I don't, I don't know how that uh, run game is going to look. Hopefully better. Not to mention, and you've mentioned this before, Arthur Smith is a former tight ends coach, and we can see how he'll impact Kyle Pitts in that way. We have some good players remaining on defense. Of course, Grady Jarrett starts that conversation. We have Foyer Oluwakon, Deion Jones, that that's it, yeah. That's <laughs> we, it. yeah. We, we can't we can't keep listing defensive players who are good. New defensive coordinator, new head coach, <laughs> same old quarterback. Um, I don't know. I just they're definitely a long shot. There is no way that the Falcons could be any higher than this. Hayden Hurst has got to be the best number two tight end. Maybe Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry in in New England, but um, I am. I am excited to to start this Arthur Smith era. Is is this year the year? No, of course not. Um, 
but I do feel a little better about the Falcons' chances than some of the other teams that we've, or I guess all the other teams that we've named previously on this list. And, you know, will they be better than they were last year? I expect so. I expect them to win more than four games. Will they win eight games? Mm, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, But they're not the worst team in the NFL, I guess. The Falcons will have at least one game this season where you go, how in the world did they manage to lose that game? That was awful. I don't understand. They're choke artists. They'll also have a game where they win and have the, in a game that they had no business winning. Like we're going to face the Bucks and beat them twice. You know, like not saying that's going to be the one, but it's going to be something like, am I seeing this right? The Falcons put up 56 points on the Bucks. Like the Falcons are the kind of team that are just like, you never know what you're going to get. And with a team like that, you probably know that they're not going to the Super Bowl, but they could go anywhere from four wins to 10 wins. It's it's a mystery. I mean, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would not say 10 wins. Um, you said you never know what you're going to get. Um, that's kind of true, except I know what I'm always going to get, and that's disappointed by them. So moving on to number 20, I almost said Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Raiders have hovered around 500 for, I don't even know how long at this point. Um, they have, obviously, John John Gruden at, is still at head coach. Uh, I I just don't think that he's he's the guy to take them to the next level. At this point, he hasn't shown that he can be. Derek Carr is probably the most meh quarterback in the in the NFL. Um and again, they have they have pieces on on both sides of of the ball. But when it comes down to it, they're in the AFC West, one of the hardest p- divisions in football. And I don't really see them competing for a wild card spot. They I just don't think that they have that they have the talent to compete with the Chargers and the Chiefs. I agree for sure. I mean, yeah, all I was going to add really was the division part. Um, You mentioned the Chiefs and the Chargers. They also have the Broncos, who also were one of our long shots. This is a tough division. I, Yeah, I don't see it happening. We're going to put them in long shots just because they're better than a lot of the teams that we've already mentioned by their nature. Some notable weapons. You also have like Josh Jacobs, who was really, really good last year. Darren Waller is one of your top tight ends in football. But in that division, we really don't need to go any further than that. At number 19, the New Orleans Saints. Have we mentioned quarterback situations yet? Oh my gosh. So first of all, the last like two years, that team has been stacked. And Drew Brees was a shell that couldn't throw the ball further than 10 to 15 yards in the air. And that held them back. And yet, still, their quarterback situation is worse. (laughs) They're choosing between, wait for it, Taysom Hill, the ultimate gadget, and Jameis Winston, Mr. 30 for 30, with 30 interceptions. And and 30 touchdowns. Woohoo! Yeah, (laughs) terrific. (laughs) Who cares? It's, It's the quarterback room of who gives a damn. I mean, you have Alvin Kamara, great, like... You know, Michael Thomas is going to come back from injury. I mean, yeah, 
he he came back from injury last year and didn't score a touchdown all season. Yeah. I don't Yeah. I think if if I'm the Saints, you just can't really depend on Michael Thomas being the same Michael Thomas until he shows it again, honestly. Um I will say this about the Saints. I think I always say this whenever we talk about about them. Even though I really really dislike Sean Payton, he's a good coach. They always have really good coaching and I think that elevates them a little bit higher. Um, even though, again, they have those question marks at quarterback. Their defense, they they still got the same really, really solid players. You know, they still got Cam Jordan. They still got Demario Davis at the linebacker spot. Even though I think he's very overrated, Marshawn Lattimore is a, is a good corner. He's definitely better than anybody the Falcons have. Um, <laughs> but That's saying a lot. <laughs> you're telling me, man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's better than AJ Terrell. <laughs> what a hot take! You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I will say this is this is definitely lower than the Saints have been in. I don't even know how many seasons. Uh, maybe like ten years, to be honest with you. I agree for sure. Sean Payton. Don't like him. Don't like the Saints. But man, that. Dude can coach. Speaking of coaches, we got Kyle Shanahan coaching our number 18 team and the last team in our long shots. So the best team to not make hopeful, San Francisco 49ers. Quarterback situation. Trey Lance, I think, can be a great NFL quarterback. Just rewind to when I was talking about the Bears with Justin Fields and replay that. And every time you hear Justin Fields, just insert Trey Lance and I'll, I'll move on. I think he's a great long-term player. Not for now. Oh, that shouldn't be what's going on now. Stick to Jimmy G. Is Jimmy G going to win a Super Bowl? Probably not. He had the chance to and he choked. So, yeah. <laughs> like, we already saw what he's like in the biggest game. And um, he was trash. So... Yeah, <laughs> give me none of the Jimmy G. I'm a big fan of Trey Lance, probably more than Justin Fields. Um, I think this might be a little harsh to put them as a long shot just because they were in the Super Bowl pretty recently. The coaching is great. They've got a lot of real, real top talent on their team. Arguably the best left tackle in football in Trent Williams. Arguably the best tight end in football in George Kittle. One of the best pass rushers in Nick Bosa. Exactly. Like, they they have a lot of talent. But again, that quarterback situation. And they're also in, I think, probably the best division in football, the NFC West. They've got to compete with the Rams. They've got to compete with the Seahawks and the Cardinals. That's just that that I mean, that's just a buzzsaw right there. Like that's that's yeah. really tough. That six of your seventeen games have to be against those teams. That's that's just crazy. So, And just as a point of reference, we haven't mentioned any of those teams yet. Exactly. Like, when we mentioned, like, we mentioned the Raiders, and that's when we first mentioned, like, a tough division. We had already at least mentioned the Broncos. Yeah, we have the 49ers as the lowest of that uh, division, and we're at 18. Like, come on. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. So now we're going to move into the Super Bowl hopefuls category. So these are the teams that should go into the season feeling not super optimistic, but like 
Like they have a chance of winning this year. And we're going to start at number 17, the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Dak's back. And that changes everything for that offense. Before the injury, he he looked insane. Their offense looked crazy. And he got hurt and everything fell apart. Ezekiel Elliott, I he just doesn't look like he has the juice anymore, to be honest. Um, but will that even matter with Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb at receiver? I don't know. Again, they still have one of the best offensive lines in football. Defensively. And I don't know what more Dan Quinn had to show with the Falcons to prove that he should never be a defensive coordinator ever again. And yet somehow somebody like Jerry Jones was like, ah, yes, I remember him with the Seahawks. Like it wasn't all the Seahawks potential hall of fame caliber (laughs) defensive players that made him look good. I, I will, I will just never understand that, but they, they have some, you know, they have some decent players to work with on defense, but I think that offense is, is going to be what carries them. And th- they're probably the favorites to win the division. So, of course, that kind of puts them in the Super Bowl hopeful category because if you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. But I think they are the least hopeful out of the hopefuls. I agree with the last thing you said. I also agree with what you said about Dak. Here, Dan Quinn... The Cowboys defense is one of the things I'm the most curious about, like on a micro level going into this season. And I mean, I agree with what you said about Seattle, right? He, his reputation as a defensive coordinator was absolutely inflated by the players on that roster. I still expect the Cowboys defense to be better because, you know, he's been proving that He's not that good in Atlanta for years. Do you remember who he had last year? Freaking Mike Nolan, who was res- who when last seen was responsible for like the literal worst defense in football on the Falcons. And Mike McCarthy was like, "Yeah, come be mine, DC man." Dan Quinn will be better than that. And if there's one thing we learned about Dan Quinn, we learned a lot about Dan Quinn mainly that he <laughs> too sucks. much, but. <laughs> One thing that we kept seeing over and over is that players love him. I mean, we see Keanu Neal went over there with him, as did DeMonte Casey. Yeah, thank you. I don't know how he's planning on like setting all that up. I guess like having Keanu Neal play some linebacker. Yeah. So um, so right now, uh Keanu Neal <clears throat> is slotted in as their middle linebacker, which is pretty interesting. I mean to be fair, he couldn't catch a ball to save his life, so might as well just have him hit people for like because that's the only thing he's good at. Um, KZ's slotted in as for starting free safety. He's not a bad player, but like let's be honest, they have a lot more talent. Leighton Vander Esch, really solid. Micah Parsons, their num their uh, first round draft pick this past year, really solid player. Jalen Smith, another really solid linebacker. Yes. Then you got one of the better. Pass rushers in the league and Demarcus Lawrence. Like, he has some stuff to work with. Again, will the Cowboys be winning the Super Bowl? I don't think so, but they have some pieces on defense. And again, Dak's back. That offense could be explosive. So that's why they they're in at Super Bowl hopeful. And the last thing to add, or to just restate 
briefly, their road to the playoffs is going to be much easier just because they're in the easiest division. So they don't have to do as much as some of these other teams who would have to get get in as a wild card. So while some teams will mention would need to sneak in with like 10 wins as a wild card team, the Cowboys can literally win seven games and still make the playoffs as long as they're better than Washington. So with that, we'll move in to number 16. So at this point, we are in the top half of the NFL, the Indianapolis Colts. Quarterback situation. If you want a fun little game, just keep track of how many times that comes up. But take a shot every time Mike says quarterback situation. And then seek medical attention because I know that it's a lot. Carson Wentz at one point looked like an MVP candidate. That was like two and a half years ago, three years ago. Long enough that I don't remember exactly when it happened. And since then, I remember him being ass. <laughs> I mean, you're not you're not wrong. <laughs> now, it's not just that he sucks. His attitude sucks, too. So remember when I was talking about whether it was Jalen Hurts or Fitzpatrick, the ability to rally the troops, galvanize your team. Guess what Carson Wentz can't do? That. Like, the Eagles just, like, failed to rally around him. That's why they won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles, because he was better at doing that. Is Carson Wentz going to step up and be the guy? I've never seen an interview from him that suggests to me that he can. Do the Colts have good pieces? Yes, of course they do. That's why they're in the top half. Quentin Nelson is amazing. I don't think this is an exaggeration. Quentin Nelson is on pace to be one of the greatest offensive linemen to ever live. I'm pretty sure he's the, I think he might be the first offensive lineman ever to make the all pro team in each of his first three seasons in the NFL. I'm like positive. You're right. Yeah. Um, and not only him, but he plays right next to Ryan Kelly, who's yep. low key, maybe the best center in the league. And I, I'm pretty sure he signed a new contract, which makes him the highest paid center in the league. Hmm. Overall, the Colts, I mean, the Colts have a Mark Lewinsky, eh. uh, Braden Smith <laughs> at right tackle, really solid. Like they have one of the better offensive lines, if not the best offensive line in the NFL. Top three or four without question. And that'll, I think that'll make Carson Wentz better. If he can unlearn some of the bad habits in Philadelphia with, with their offensive line, then I think they have a chance. I think the Colts, what they need to do they have Jonathan Taylor. They have that offensive line. Just run the heck out of the ball. Play solid defense, which we know they can. DeForest Buckner, a beast. Darius Leonard, on another level. They've got solid players up and down that entire defense. Not to mention, one of the better coaching staffs in the league as well. And, and front offices. So, that's why the Colts make it in. They have those question marks. But... They have the pieces. They have, I think they have the talent to succeed. It's just, can they put it all together? So now we're going to go into number 15, my second team in the NFL, the Minnesota Vikings. I think the Vikings are the definition of solid, not spectacular. They've got, again, really solid pieces, especially on that offense. Dalvin Cook, to me, top three running back in the NFL. They've got two top 10 receivers in the NFL, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. 
They've got a tight end in Irv Smith, who I think is going to have a big year this year. Offensive line is is the question for me, um, as it has been the past few years. Defense, they're, they're going to have a lot of pieces coming back. They're going to have Daniil Hunter back. They didn't have him all of last year. They brought Everson Griffin back. Again, they have really solid players. Harrison Smith at safety, he's still a beast. Eric Kendricks at middle linebacker, one of the best middle linebackers in the NFL. Anthony Barr as well. And Kirk Cousins, I think Kirk Cousins could win a Super Bowl. Kirk, I, I think he just he get he just gets a lot of crap. Uh, but he's not a bad quarterback whatsoever. Is he paid more than he deserves? Absolutely. Kind of like a Matt Ryan thing, but I think Kirk Cousins is definitely better at this point in, in their careers. I like that comparison to Matt Ryan. Kirk Cousins is a younger Matt Ryan in a much better situation. They have to deal with the Packers in that division. They also get to beat up the Lions twice. Maybe they'll beat the Bears twice. That's four wins right there. And like you said, you have a, that's a loaded team. Uh, number 14, we have the Patriots. Even without Tom Brady, the Patriots have a shot. Why? <laughs> the GOAT of coaches, first of all. Second of all, last year, they had like nine defenders just sit out due to COVID. Cam Newton was looking all right at, towards the beginning without a, a preseason and without really practicing with the team. Then he got COVID, <laughs> and that's sort of what derailed him. But he was passing the ball fairly well. Two of the losses they took last year were really, really close. And by that, I mean, like, the difference was made in, like, one play. Uh, I'm pretty sure one of those was, like, a drop, too. That like, wasn't even his fault. So they were a couple plays away, really, from, like, making a playoff push last year anyway. Now we're going to bring some of those defenders back. Cam Newton has a year under his belt. Coming into a year where they drafted Mac Jones, so he has... Another chip on his shoulder. Oh my gosh. Can't believe I just said that. And even if they have to fall back on Mac Jones, his decision-making was praised going into the draft. He's the most like Tom Brady in this like class of quarterbacks. That's something for Belichick to work with. And again, it's Belichick. He figures stuff out. He Horrible GM, amazing coach. Yeah. It's almost like all of those defensive players coming back are just like new signings. I mean, you got to start with the corners, the best cornerback tandem in the league and Stefan Gilmore and JC Jackson. JC Jackson had an unbelievable year last year. And then of course at linebacker, you've got Dante Hightower. You still got Kyle Van Noy. I feel like we've been saying these names for like forever. And they also signed Matt Judon, who's going to be a, a pass rushing threat for them as well. There are questions on offense in terms of weapons. I mean, they're their best receivers. Nelson Aguilar actually had a randomly good year last year for the Raiders. Like it was, it was weird. I don't know where he figured out how to actually catch the football, but congratulations to him. Uh, but like him, Jacoby Myers, like Kendrick Bourne, like these guys do not inspire confidence. Um, I think the running back duo of Damian Harris and James White is pretty solid. Their offensive line's not bad either. It depends on Cam and Mac, you know? And I don't, I'm not a big believer in either of them. I am a believer in the coaching though and in the defense. The Patriots will find ways to stay competitive. 
Last year was an aberration, I think. This year, I think they're going to get back to winning ways. Uh, though, I will say, their division is a lot lot more improved than it used to be when, when Brady was, was roaming Foxborough. Like, the Dolphins, we haven't mentioned yet. The Bills, we haven't mentioned yet. And four of those games are against them. So, it would be foolish to count out Bill Belichick, but... I think the the Patriots end up finding their home kind of in the middle of the pack here in the Super Bowl hopefuls category. We're going to just go ahead and stay in the AFC East. You mentioned the Dolphins. That's the team we have next. 13 and 14. We basically just have like, we have Dolphins and Patriots respectively. So, you know, whoever comes out on top wins that division is inserted into the playoffs. There we go. Now we're like in this, in that, um, in the running. We've talked about the Dolphins a lot on this podcast. <laughs> like we've we've mentioned Tua plenty of times. We've mentioned Miles Gaskin. We've mentioned Jalen Waddle several times. We've mentioned uh, the great job that their coach has done, like that their um and that their GM has done. They have done a great job in the last like two three years putting this team together. I do think the Dolphins this year, we'll just say, can be that best team in that division. Um. Do I think that that makes them a contender? No. Uh, I want I want to see more out of Tua. I think this is a big prove-it year for him to at least like capitalize on some of that potential that we or like prove some of that potential that he had going into the draft in the first place. But I think this Dolphins team is set up for at least some success. For sure, they're a team on the rise. It does come down to Tua. Can he have a better year in his second year than he did last year? Obviously coming in around halfway through the season. I'm a believer in his in his talent. And he's got weapons. Devontae Parker. They signed Will Fuller. They drafted Jalen Waddle. Mike Kosicki is a great pass-catching tight end. Some of his highlights last year were absolutely insane. Obviously, like Tua is going to be the guy who either carries them or sinks them. Um, and I think Tua definitely has the potential to to carry them into the playoffs and who knows, maybe make a run. Now we're going to move into number 12, which is a team that always seems to be on at least the edge of contention. And that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, got to start with the quarterbacks. Big Ben, does he have another year left? Maybe he's 39 now. Um, I, This has got to be his last year. Surely. Obviously the Steelers are going to, be competitive every year with Mike Tomlin as, as the coach with the defensive players that they have there. TJ Watt defensive player of the year candidate, Minka Fitzpatrick, one of the better safeties in the league. Cam Hayward had a great year last year. Stefan Tuitt had a great year. That defensive line is absolutely crazy. And then obviously on offense, uh, they drafted Najee Harris to be their running back and having that more balanced offensive game is going to hopefully help Big Ben a lot and and keep them in, in more games. And not only that, but if they have that more balanced attack, then I think that gives them a little more steam to keep that going further. Maybe 12 is a little bit low, but again, does Big Ben have it? The offensive line is weaker than it used to be. There are definitely questions for the Steelers to answer. There are, but to me, the big... Like the biggest piece to this Steelers puzzle is Mike Tomlin. I believe in his coaching. 
I remember when he like first got the job and his like it was like his first interview after getting that head coaching job and he was like we're gonna return to Steelers football, we're gonna play defense and we're gonna run the ball. And then he drafts Najee Harris in the first round to get back to the, those roots. We've mentioned Najee Harris as a great like rookie fantasy option. That sputter after that twelve and zero start was super disappointing, um, but that also shows like, hey, they have the potential to make runs like that. So, I think that's why we have the Steelers here at twelve. Moving on, we have the Cardinals at number eleven. Kyler Murray has potential as a as a young quarterback, really does. DeAndre Hopkins, one of my favorite receivers in the NFL, with some of the best hands, like probably the most sure-handed receiver in football. They add, albeit an aging J.J. Watt, um, the the Texans' leftovers. I like what the Cardinals are doing. I like the direction they're headed, though. Um, I think Kyler Murray has a chance to take another big step forward. We mentioned it, the NFC West. That's a tough division. But can they beat the 49ers twice? Yes. Um, can they split with the Rams and Seahawks reasonably? Yeah. Could they even beat the Seahawks twice? possible um the cardinals just seem like the kind of team where a lot would have to go right but there's no reason to think that a lot can't go right for them 100 percent agree um they've got really good pieces there obviously you talked about Kyler murray he's a stud and then defense i think they got one of the better secondaries in the league byron murphy has been a stud ever since he came into the league malcolm butler signed for them as well he saw it obviously super bowl hero and Buda Baker, again, a really, really great safety in the NFL. I think Isaiah Simmons will have a better year this year than he did last year. They drafted Zayvon Collins to be in there as well. And then, of course, you mentioned J.J. Watt, but also Chandler Jones, um, one of the better pass rushers in the league. The, I think the Cardinals have a chance. They're just outside of our top 10 teams, but I think them and the next team could be potentially interchangeable. And that team is another team in their division, the Seattle Seahawks. And Russ, we trust right? Russell Wilson, one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL over the last several years. When you have him, you have a chance to win. I think having a healthy Chris Carson this year will be helpful. One of the better one-two punches at receiver with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And they've still got some good players on, on defense. Bobby Wagner, of course, being the main guy I think of there. Yeah, I mean, Pete Carroll, one of the better head coaches in the NFL. The Seahawks always find ways to win games. They still have never had a losing season since Russell Wilson was the court, started being the quarterback for them. I, I don't expect that to change anytime soon. And you can never really count the Seahawks out. They did kind of run out of gas last year, uh, but they had a lot of a lot of injuries that they had to deal with. So with some better injury luck, I think that the Seahawks could have a better chance this year of making it back to the playoffs and making a run. When we first started this tier list and we talked about the Texans and I mentioned Deshaun Watson, just having something magical about him where I said, you know, any team that he's on has a puncher's chance. Russell Wilson is like a better version of that where his ability just overshadows a lot. Everything you said is right. Um, So Seahawks do sneak into that top 10 spot and that's going to move us into number nine. The Cleveland Browns, prove it. <laughs> that that was the main thing that I was saying when we were putting this list together. I know that on paper, 
the Brown, if we were just going off like their roster on paper, the Browns would be higher on this list, at least for me. I want to see them prove it though. Cleveland has that like long-standing curse, and for for a reason, I want to see that they can actually go ahead and finish the job. Is Baker Mayfield a Super Bowl caliber quarterback? I don't know. Can OBJ like <laughs> keep it together? <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, w- one thing we saw was that Baker's play improved with Odell Beckham Jr. off the field last year. Uh, he has much better chemistry with Jarvis Landry than he does with Odell Beckham. I don't know how they solve that. I don't know if that's something that the two of them work out. I don't know if it's something that the organization works out by moving Odell Beckham for a, a different piece. That defense headlined by Miles Garrett is solid. I mean, Miles Garrett's a beast. The Browns have potential. But the same thing was being said about them last year. Like, come on. And they just failed to prove it to me. I'm not saying that they were like trash last year, but when we're like we're literally at number nine on this list. And at this point, I'm just going on I'm just looking at teams that I believe in a little more that have already shown me reason to believe a little more. So I will say the Browns did at least win their playoff game against the Steelers last year, and they only lost to the Chiefs by five. So this year could be the year, but again, they have to get through the chiefs. They have to get through some of the other teams in the AFC that are on this list as well. And I don't know. I'm a little bit higher on the Browns. I think than you are. We, we didn't even talk about Nick Chubb and Kareem hunt yet. That's definitely the best running back duo in the NFL bar none. And just kind of up and down that roster, they have a lot of talent and they have a lot of depth as well. And not to mention one of the better offensive lines in football. Definitely top three for me. So again, it's just a matter of can they put it all together? Can Kevin Stefanski continue to put his mark on this team and lead them even further than they went last year? Last year was a really big step for them, I think, in terms of finally breaking that curse of not making the playoffs, not winning a playoff game. But this year is the year they, they've got to make that extra step further. And we'll see if they make us regret putting them in the hopefuls category instead of the contenders category. But just spoiler alert, they're only five contenders and two favorites. So um, we were a little bit stingy, I guess. But uh, moving on to the last team in the hopefuls category. At number eight, we've got the Los Angeles Chargers. Enough can't be said about how good Justin Herbert was in his initial year in the NFL. I don't think anybody was expecting him to be that good, but he was. And that elevates this team for us all the way into almost a Super Bowl contender. The Chargers have been one of those teams who had talent, but just couldn't quite pull it together. Kind of the AFC version of the Falcons and the fact that they just, without fail, they somehow figure out how to lose games snatching defeat from the jaws of victory, et cetera, et cetera. Whether it's kicking woes or stupid special teams miscues or drop passes or what have you, the Chargers deal with those issues. But Brandon Staley did a great job with the with the team last year. Um, still a weird situation with Tyrod, to be honest with you. But, I mean, I, I love Austin Eckler at running back. Keenan Allen continues to be one of the better receivers in the league. They signed... Mike's guy, Jared Cook. Um, 
And will we finally, finally see a healthy season from Derwin James? Talent-wise, without question, he's one of the better safeties in the NFL, and he's a game-changer. But can he stay healthy? I sure hope so. But they, they definitely have the talent to to make a run and, and be a serious contender this year. Once again, they're in that tough division, though, with the Chiefs. That might make it tough. You mentioned the way that they always find ways to lose. Good riddance, Anthony Lynn. It's almost more about getting rid of Anthony Lynn than it is adding Brandon Staley for me. But I think that coaching change is just so like so necessary. But I think that'll improve the team just from the get-go. Maybe we'll see them not dropping all those games that they should otherwise be winning. And then you said it. We've talked about it before. Justin Herbert is a beast. Unexpected. Um, and I mentioned this on the last episode, but his rookie season last year is basically what everyone is hoping Trevor Lawrence's will be. That's how freaking good he was. Like This is the best of our hopefuls at number eight. So just edging them to start off our contenders. The Tennessee Titans. Their offensive coordinator's gone. Arthur Smith becoming the head coach of the Falcons now. Derrick Henry is not gone. <laughs> Their offensive line, still looking nice. Taylor Lewan, good. Nate Davis, good. Roger Soffold, good. Ben Jones, good. Like Derrick Henry, a freaking beast. <laughs> um, so you mentioned Dalvin Cook as a top three running back. I'm I'm just curious to see if our top three is the same. My three in no particular order is Dalvin Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey. Is that yours as well? Yeah. It's almost like we know sports. <laughs> Just making sure. Yeah. So Derrick Henry's coming back after rushing for 2,027 yards and 17 touchdowns behind a still good offensive line. And Ryan Tannehill is having his career renaissance. Corey Davis moves on to the Jets and they add Julio. Yeah, you lose Johnny Smith, but Derrick Henry, an improved Tannehill, and a wide receiver duo of A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, I like that on offense. On defense, you have nice pieces as well. You got Kevin Byard. You got Harold Landry, Rashawn Evans. I mean, to me, it starts with Derrick Henry for sure. That is the heart and soul of this team, but he's not the only piece there. You mentioned the offensive line being good. Jeffrey Simmons looks like a future all-pro on the defensive line. They signed Bud Dupree as well to be a pass rusher for them. I, I, I do think it would take Tannehill continuing that success and even furthering it uh, in order to get them to the Super Bowl, but it's certainly possible. And again, as long as Derrick Henry doesn't break down from all the carries that he's taken so far... I mean, if anybody can take it, it's Derrick Henry. I mean, look at the man. That's my only question, Mark, is can Tannehill continue his play with a new offensive coordinator, and can Derrick Henry continue to carry the load? We'll just have to wait and see, but I would call them a Super Bowl contender for sure. Number six, the Baltimore Ravens. This might be a little high to some, but, I mean, we've seen what Lamar Jackson can do. I think he's just continued to improve as a passer, and he always has that trump card of, yeah, I can just scramble whenever I want and make at least two of your defenders look silly while I'm doing it. 
I think this offensive line doesn't get talked about enough either. Their offensive line is full of a bunch of studs. Like their running game is is crazy. And of course, they've got Mark Andrews there at tight end. They drafted Rashad Bateman, another weapon for them on offense to go with Marquise Brown, who definitely had a disappointing year last year. But And then, of course, you look at the defense and then, of course, the coaching as well. The Ravens are always going to have a good defensive team. And they've had good coaching for many, many years now. And a good front, like one of the best front offices in the NFL as well. So I think the Ravens pretty much have been a contender for a long time and continue to do so here in 2021. A mobile quarterback has always added a new dimension for a team like trying to game plan against you. But Lamar Jackson just takes it to a new freaking level. He's like the fa- he's typically the one of the fastest, if not the fastest player on the field. And it's really, really hard to defend that when he's also improving as a passer, like you said. Um, glad that you mentioned the offensive line. Ronnie Stanley is a beast. I mean, the Ravens barely like slip out of our top five for a reason, but I definitely think they belong on this contender in the contender tier. I will say one more thing. I called Stephon Gilmore and J.C. Jackson the best cornerback duo in the NFL. I think the Ravens are at number two with Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. Like that, oh, yeah. That's the perfect duo of a guy like Marlon Humphrey who can come and be a thumper in the run game as well as be able to be a playmaker on the ball. And Marcus Peters is that ultimate gamble who is good for a few interceptions every season. Maybe he'll give up some big plays, but he'll also change the game for you as well. So just wanted to shout out those two guys. That's going to bring us to our number five team. So we are in the top five now. The LA Rams. We finally reached the top of that NFC West. Well, first of all, Aaron Donald. One of the best players in the NFL. Looking at good receiver duos, you got Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. And they've been they've been troopers having Jared Goff throw it to him the past few years. And now they get to improve that to Matt Stafford. I think one of the one of the most interesting points going into the season to look at is how is that trade gonna work out? And for Matt Stafford are you going to prove, no, Detroit was holding me back. That's why I don't have any playoff wins in my career. Or are you going to fall to, fall under the pressure? Because there are very few players with more pressure on their shoulders going into the season than Matt Stafford, especially like in terms of how that player will be like perceived. Um, because that is the question. Was it the Lions or like how much of that falls on Stafford's shoulders? And I think if he comes in and wins some playoff games, that's a huge burden off his shoulders. That really like helps his reputation. It helps his legacy a little bit. No, like I have the talent that y'all have been talking about. If he comes in and stinks up the joint, oh my gosh, uh, that is not going to look good for him at all because this team is really, really, really good. I don't think that's going to happen though. I think Stafford is the real deal. We've talked we talked earlier about how shitty the Lions are. There's a reason Stafford doesn't have playoff wins, and it is the rest of that team and that poorly run organization. I think he is going to be a marked improvement over Jared Goff, 
on a team that was already like making noise. It wasn't that long ago that the Rams were in the Super Bowl as well. I think Sean McVay, maybe his star has isn't shining quite as bright as it was when he first burst onto the scene, but they've still got pretty good coaching there. Like you said, Aaron Donald, just every single year, arguably the best defensive player or just best overall player in the league. I read a really good article uh, on ESPN about Stafford and his move uh, from Detroit to L.A. I would definitely recommend reading it. We can share that on social media as well if you all want to take a look at that. It kind of goes into his decision to leave Detroit, what he's looking forward to in terms of being a Ram, all that kind of stuff. It was very interesting. Um, But, I mean, you said it. The Rams have a stacked roster. They've got good coaching. And Stafford... I think they viewed him as the final piece to the puzzle to finally unlock that and be able to get to the Super Bowl and win this time. So we'll see if they'll if they're able to do that. Now moving into number four, we've got the Buffalo Bills. Now, Josh Allen is a guy who continues to improve at a rapid pace every single year. He came into the league viewed as a project, and he was to a degree. The Bills have been patient with him. They've surrounded him with weapons, improved on the offensive line, continue to build up that defense, and he's now viewed as the leader of their team and signed that crazy extension as well this offseason. I love Sean McDermott and what he's done, uh, the culture that they've built in Buffalo. I'm just a really big fan of the Bills. I I like watching them play. Uh, Stephon Diggs, arguably the best receiver in the league last year. He led the league in receiving yards. Um, Like I said, the offensive line has been better. The defense is full of playmakers. Trey White, I think, again, one of the better corners in the NFL. Um, Just a really solid team top to bottom. They have a lot of depth as well, which can be really important, especially with that 17-game season this year. So I'm looking for the Bills to really take that next step and, and potentially make it to the Super Bowl. They're a top four team which theoretically should mean they're at least going to make the AFC championship game. Can they beat the Chiefs, though? Only time will tell. Josh Allen was an MVP candidate last year, rightfully so. I expect him to be one again this year. He was drafted in 2018. Here are the other quarterbacks drafted that year. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen. New Falcons backup quarterback, Josh Rosen, who for some reason they keep hyping up on social media. I'm like, this is embarrassing that we signed him. This isn't like a positive thing. Like, stop posting about him. And Lamar Jackson. But yeah, I agree about what you're saying about Josh Rosen. But Lamar Jackson has won an MVP, and he was taken at the end of the first. And Josh Allen is the next best quarterback. If he's not at this point better than like... Like, who do you want to take over right, between Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson? There are advantages to each. Um, the fact is, Lamar Jackson has an MVP. But my point here is that Baker was taken before him. Darnold was taken before him. No question, Josh Allen is way better than them. Um, and this is his chance to like lead that Bills team all the way there. Um, I have way more faith in him than I do in Baker and Cleveland. Like, that's what we were talking about earlier. Um, Josh Allen... Can't say enough about the improvements that he made last year. And I think Stefan Diggs deserves a lot of praise for the role that he had in that 
um, like partnering with him, uh, building chemistry with him. There's a lot there, but I agree. I love how this Bills team plays. They play hard. They play with passion. So it's time to go into our top three. At this point, surprises are pretty much out the window, right? Well, we'll just say this. Number three is still in that contender category because we wanted to keep our favorites to two. So this is the best team outside of that. The Green Bay Packers. Breaking news, Aaron Rodgers is really good at football. We previously discussed on an earlier episode of the podcast talking about potential destinations for Aaron Rodgers. Is he going to stay? Is he going to leave? Is he going to retire? It was so up in the air. He's decided to run it back for one more season. Him and Devontae Adams form probably, along with maybe Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, or I guess Mahomes and Kelsey, um, the best quarterback wide receiver duo in the NFL. Offensive line, always good there. Aaron Jones, one of the better running backs, I think. Um, and he's just continuing to get better and better every single year. They re-signed Randall Cobb to make Aaron Rodgers happy. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, behind Devontae Adams, not a not a ton of talent at wide receiver. Uh, Robert Tunyon d- did have a better, you know, kind of a breakout year last year. We'll see if he's able to replicate that. But on defense, they've got playmakers. They've got the Smiths, Preston and Zadarius. Jair Alexander, one of the better corners in the league. Darnell Savage and Amos at safety. Both of those guys are studs. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the Packers are right up there. If you have Aaron Rodgers, you have a chance. Um, they're going to do it. They're going to, you know, run it back, like I said, one more year. I think this is the Packers. They know this is their last chance. I think they're going to do whatever they've got to do, whether that's, you know, trading for other players near the deadline or over the course of the the first few weeks of the season, they know this is their last chance. So they're going to put everything into it. I think the whole roster is kind of knows and everybody's going to really be fighting hard, whether it's for Aaron Rodgers or just because they know this could be their last chance for a while. Uh, Yeah, I think the Packers are going to be up there. Maybe not quite a favorite, but the strongest out of the contenders. I feel like the Packers should at least go four and two in that division, probably five and one, maybe split a game with the Vikings and then beat up on the Lions and the bears. And anything that I say would just be repeating what you said. So I'll keep it short. When you have Aaron Rodgers, you have a chance like plain and simple. This is one of the most talented quarterbacks that we have ever seen. He's on a very short list. Well, speaking of one of the most talented quarterbacks we've ever seen, we're going into number two. And by now, you know the two teams that are left. And what I just said could apply to both of these quarterbacks. But we decided that number two, we're going to put the Kansas City Chiefs, led by, obviously, Patrick Mahomes. And I'll just go ahead and say this. The reason why we put, spoiler alert, number one, the Buccaneers, uh, at number one is because they won it last year. They're returning all their starters. They're running it back. You got to give the number one spot to them. Uh, The Chiefs might be more exciting, but the Buccaneers are probably more solid. Um, What what else is what else needs to be said about the Chiefs? They've got arguably a top five receiver in the league in Tyreek Hill. They've got the best, arguably the best quarterback in the league. I would say the best quarterback in the league in Mahomes. Arguably the best tight end in Kelsey. 
invested in in the offensive line after that was pretty much what did the men in the Super Bowl. Their defense will do enough. It's not great by any stretch of the imagination, but they have playmakers, obviously. Tyran Matthew being a guy who comes to mind. Frank Clark and Chris Jones as well. Derek Nottie, my my guy from Florida State. Um, yeah, I mean, of course, it's the Chiefs. Andy Reid, it's a perfect fit with him in Kansas City. The Chiefs are going to be probably the most exciting team to watch in the NFL this year. They have been ever since Mahomes became the starter. And it would be a shock if they didn't make it back to the Super Bowl, to be honest. One thing that stood out to me in the Super Bowl was some of the best plays that I'd ever seen that weren't even successful. Of course, I'm talking about those two incompletions from Mahomes towards the end of the game. like One throwing parallel to the ground. Like how? How is that even possible to like throw the ball with that velocity and that distance with not even being able to use your legs or really any part of your body at all? I just... I'm talking about magic. I'm going to choose my words carefully here because Tom Brady... This isn't a hot take. Tom Brady's the GOAT. Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. Patrick Mahomes. It's so early in his career, freaking first of all. He's so damn young. And he's already the most talented player I've ever seen. Or the most talented quarterback I've ever seen. The things that he's able to do already, Tom Brady could never do. Aaron Rodgers typically couldn't do. And Aaron Rodgers is amazing and has been amazing. I think I think Rodgers is the only guy who you could say would be capable of what Mahomes pulls out, to be honest. I think Rodgers was kind of the original Mahomes, and Mahomes has kind of one-upped him and done even crazier things than we thought was possible. It's unbelievable. But number one is the Bucks For the first time in the Super Bowl era, they're bringing all 22 starters back. You can't win the Super Bowl, bring all 22 starters back, and not be the favorite. I'm sorry. I know the Chiefs addressed their offensive line. That doesn't mean they're better than the team that just won. Tom Brady is still going to be doing GOAT things. So in any given game, will he do the kind of amazing shit that we see Patrick Mahomes do? No. No. That's not the player he is. Tom Brady is just brilliant. He's a football savant, and he's going to put his team in every position to succeed, and his team is going to put him in position to succeed because this team is built. I mean, for me, the main difference is that their defense is stacked. Like, the Buccaneers' offense has the potential to be really explosive, but you know the defense is going to keep you in the game no matter what. And they had, like, they shut the Chiefs down. They shut pretty much everybody down last year. Like you said, they're returning everybody. They already did it once. They have the exact same starting 11 on both sides. Same coach, same everything. Like, why why wouldn't they run it back? Based on this tier list, that gives you a Super Bowl rematch based on who we have as the favorites. Hey, I was happy to see Brady get ranked number seven, but I will gladly see a rematch 
with a healthier O-line on the Chiefs. I would love to see both of these teams go at it at full health. I think that would be an amazing game to watch. That concludes our tier list. Uh, Thanks for sticking through. That was definitely a lot. We're going to wrap up this segment with what has become a tradition. And that is going to be us making bold predictions. So we're going to make our bold predictions for the NFL season. But we're going to add a new twist, which was, which I said is a joke, but we're actually going to implement because, you know, I feel like we kind of have to. We're going to implement not only a bold prediction, but we're going to add a reasonable prediction to that as well. Because as you probably know, if you've been listening to this podcast, our bold predictions are always wrong. So now this is our chance to make reasonable predictions, which have a much more chance of being right, just so we can, you know, boost our egos a little bit. So hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, So Mike, let's go ahead and start with the bold predictions. So what is your bold prediction for this 2021 NFL season? So just a heads up, everybody. We have not heard each other's predictions at all yet. So this is all news to us. Dave, my bold prediction for the 2021 NFL season is a starting quarterback will get a season-ending injury or will suffer a season-ending injury. Now, question. Let me get your opinion real quick before I go on. Is that bold enough for you? No. All right. The quarterback that suffers this season-ending injury will be one of the big five rookies. Either Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, or Mac Jones will suffer a season-ending injury. Wow. That's pretty dark, man. (laughs) I mean, like... (laughs) My bold prediction is out for blood. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say that is like, I, I think a quarterback getting a season ending injury, not super bold, but like it being one of the rookies, that's pretty tough. But I will, I mean, I would say that's bold for sure. My bold prediction also has to do with quarterbacks. My bold prediction is that Peyton Manning's single season passing yards record will be broken this year. I'm not going to say exactly who I think that'll be because uh, I, you know, obviously like you would say like Mahomes or something, but I'm not going to say who, but I am going to say that that record will be broken this year. Okay. That'd be crazy to see. So pretty much a quarterback has to throw for 5,500 yards this season. Okay. So both of these you have to keep up with for the next like 17, 18 weeks. Well, Maybe mine mine can come true a lot quicker than yours can, but we will see. Now, we are each also going to do, like you said, a reasonable prediction. So these aren't necessarily surefire things, right? Just they have a much better chance of coming true. Dave, what's your reasonable prediction? I mean, you said it's not a surefire thing. It might as well be because my reasonable prediction is that the Falcons will not win the Super Bowl. So my reasoning for this is twofold. Number one, they're not going to win the Super Bowl. So that's very reasonable. Number two, if somehow they do win the Super Bowl, I will gladly be wrong. I will sit on this podcast and we will, I will talk for an hour about how wrong I was and yet how happy I was to be wrong. So 
yeah, that's that's going to be my reasonable prediction. I'm pretty sure it's coming true. I thought you were going to say my reasoning is twofold. Reason one, it's Atlanta. And reason two, it's the Falcons. <laughs> I mean, that I would also. I thought you were going to say that, but it worked. That also would have fit. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mike, what's yours? My reasonable prediction has a much better chance of being wrong than yours. I Because I agree, the Falcons are not going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, my reasonable prediction is that this year's Coach of the Year award will go to a coach that has never won the award before. So going back from last year, here are some coaches that have won Coach of the Year. Kevin Stefanski, John Harbaugh, Matt Nagy. You can count him out right now. Sean McVay. Oh my gosh, Jason Garrett. Ron Rivera. How did Jason Garrett win Coach of the Year? The Cowboys went 13-3 and in 2016. <laughs> Okay, that was not due to him. Let's just say that right now. Obviously, you have Belichick. Mike Tomlin has not won Coach of the Year. Sean McDermott has not won Coach of the Year. There are nine current coaches in the NFL that have won Coach of the Year. It's just one away, but it's basically a 75%, 75% of the head coaches, more or less, have not won Coach of the Year. So technically, that's about my my odds of getting it right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair. I mean, I think Coach of the Year often goes to a surprise team. So, like, for instance, if the Dolphins end up going, like, 12-4 and and do well in the playoffs, I would not be surprised if, like, Brian Flores would win it versus Andy Reid winning it with the Chiefs and the Chiefs go 14-2 and and everybody expects them to do that. I think the Chiefs probably have to go undefeated for Andy Reid to win it, even though you could argue that Andy Reid should win it or should have won it the past like couple seasons, you know, mm-hmm. that's just the way that the coach of the year award works. Like Belichick's won it three times. He probably deserves more for all the success that the Patriots had. And the fact that Mike Tomlin hasn't won coach of the year. We said it before when we were talking about the Steelers, they're always good. And when you're always good, you kind of just forgotten about like, yeah, Mike Tomlin's one of the better coaches in the NFL. Is he the best? Was he the best this year? Probably not. You know, I, I think it's it's tough. You get reward for that that one like big season like Jason Garrett. That will conclude this this segment. Um, when we come back, we're going to go into the hot seat and my fun fact, and we'll close out the show. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Now we're going to go into the hot seat. Uh, Mike, who do we got for this week? My guy, Max Kellerman from First Take. For now... Because apparently his days on first take are limited. Now, based on this take, you might go, oh, that's why. Uh, It seems that the real reason for that is that Stephen A. just wants him gone. uh, Because, you know, for for whatever reason. But that's not what our hot take's about. Our hot take is, or our hot seat is over something Max Kellerman said the other day on first take, which is, you know, in a conversation about Allen Iverson, he said, Michael Jordan is the GOAT because Allen Iverson wasn't 6'6". Pound for pound, Allen Iverson in his prime was great. No question. He dragged that Sixers team to the finals in 2000. He'd be the GOAT at 6'6"? 
No. Can I can I can I steal your your line for a second? That's disrespectful. By all means, yes, yes, spit that. That's disrespectful. For time's sake, we couldn't make this a that's disrespectful. But no, I I get that your job is to say dumb stuff on TV that'll get people talking. But like, we hear people say like LeBron's the goat. We feel, we hear even fewer people say like Kareem would be the goat. I'm sorry. When did Allen Iverson just come into this conversation? Not only that, why are we even talking about Allen Iverson being six six because he wasn't? So what's even the point of this conversation in the first place? And even if he was six six, do you think that Allen Iverson just would have, I don't know, went to the finals and won every single time? Did Allen Iverson really have that killer mentality? Like, sure, he could score the ball. He played decent defense for his size, but I mean, better than Michael Jordan. We're talking about greatest of all time. Are you serious? I don't know. I, that was just, maybe that is what finally put, put Stephen A over the edge. And was just like, I can't, I can't deal with this guy anymore. Go and be on like FS2 or something, you know? Let me just have Max's back for a very small amount. Would AI have been better if he were 6'6"? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, someday I need to freaking go ahead and just write down in order my top however many NBA players of all time so I can give this some validity. But off the top of my head, is AI a top 20 player in, in history? No. So where does where do those extra five or six inches put him in my mind? Probably in that 20. He doesn't enter the top 10 for me, though, at 6'6". So, no. I He wouldn't be better than... He wouldn't be better than Kobe, let alone Jordan. Like, come on. So, th- there, there's this too, and then we'll wrap up the segment. What is it about basketball that just makes people come up with all these hypotheticals? Like, it's one thing to debate who would be better in their prime, like... Or, like, would Shaq dominate today's NBA or, like, whatever, right? Yeah. But like, why are we even talking about if AI was 6'6", he'd be the greatest player of all time? Like, that's not even relevant. Why was why was he even talking about Allen Iverson in the first place? I don't even know. Um, I just don't know what it is about basketball specifically. Because people don't do this for like for baseball or for football <laughs> or anything. They don't, they aren't like, hmm, would Babe Ruth hit the same amount of homers that like in today's game that he did back then, like maybe somebody has said that, but that's not like a common thing. And yet for basketball, that's all anybody can ever talk about is like, who's the greatest of all time. And all these are super obscure, like random, like comparisons and things. I just, I, it just baffles me to be honest. It goes in that whole, like the two biggest, like barbershop, sports ever have been like basketball and boxing for like the past 60 years because it's so much more about like matchups um going mono and mono like even you know basketball is five on five but it really does come down to that one-on-one battle so often i think that just lends itself to like conversations that transcend generations like oh well we could talk about 
Kevin Garnett versus Tim Duncan versus Dirk, but it's almost more fun to say, well, Tim Duncan is the greatest of this generation. Let's match him up with previous great bigs of their generations and see like how that stacks up. And I guess just because of that, like longstanding, like cultural element to it, I guess that's where that comes from. But the six, but adding six inches to AI is just, that's just a new dimension of it. I'm, and I'm not ready. I'm not here for it. But what I am here for is this episode's edition of Dave's Fun Fact. What do we got this week? If I asked you what the most famous painting in the world was, what would you say? Mona Lisa. Okay. Now, why would you say that it was the most famous painting in the world? Uh, first of all, Da Vinci. Second of all, Da Vinci Code. Third of all, it's just whenever there's like a a movie that emphasizes like art or whatever or art thievery or you know what what have you it's just mona lisa there it is yep and it seems to be synonymous with that like renaissance culture so first of all i'm glad that you said the mona lisa because that is what i was going for so thank you for that um so some i just some interesting facts about the mona lisa is what i'm going to do for for this segment because i was just thinking one day like, yes, it's the most famous painting, but like, why is this random, like, not random, but like, why is this painting, there are a lot of good paintings out there, like, why is this one of this random lady who no one knows, why is this one the most famous? And the most interesting part of when I was doing this research was in 1911, when it was stolen, not only was it stolen, but the fact that Pablo Picasso was arrested as a suspect for stealing this painting. I'm like, did Picasso not just do enough of his own paintings to be like, to like not have to do that? Um, not only that, it once hung in Napoleon's bedroom, which is like the ultimate flex, uh, I guess. Um, it's pretty interesting. Um, I feel like a lot of these things is just me like marveling at like how things worked even like a hundred years ago, just because light, like the world just operated so differently back then than it does now. But the fact that the Mona Lisa went on a tour to the United States and to Japan first in the sixties and then in the seventies. And that's what really like, come like raised the popularity of it because people could actually see it and who didn't need to actually travel to France. And of course, back then it was a lot harder to go ahead and, and actually travel all the way to Europe and everything. But like, can you imagine now just the Mona Lisa just being on, on a cruise ship and people just like, like taking turns looking at it or something. I don't know. That just seems like that would never happen today because there would be all these kinds of like crazy attempts to try to steal it or whatever. And I'm not, I'm not promoting the idea of, of stealing when I say this, but if someone were to steal the Mona Lisa, then they would have on their hands an $850 million painting. Oh my God. That, that is its approximate valuation based on inflation. And, you know, obviously 
it being the most famous painting in the world. There are a lot of pieces of art that are sold for absurd prices in my mind, but like that's one of those things. It's subjective, you know, somebody could see something and think it's the most beautiful thing ever. Somebody else could see it and be like, what is that piece of trash? You know, but $850 million for this painting is absolutely ridiculous. It's almost a bill. Like Mona Lisa is almost a billionaire. If you think about it, <laughs> like that's just absolutely crazy. So th- that's my fun fact for this week about the Mona Lisa. The Mona Lisa is worth the same as Madonna. (laughs) (laughs) And the Mona Lisa can't sing. And it's it's also interesting that, like, nobody actually knows who that woman was. And yet she's, like, one of the most recognizable, like, people in, like, art, like, ever, you know? Yeah. And will probably continue to be. It's just, it's just wild. So, anyways, that wraps up this segment and this episode of the Mike and Dave podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Definitely a bit of a longer one, but you know, when you talk about all 32 teams and Mike and I, you know, we're passionate about sports. We get a little excited and um, I know personally I can be a little long winded, but hopefully you've really enjoyed Hopefully we talked about your team um, and Cowboys fans do not be offended. Um, It just, it is what it is, you know? Um, but yeah, we hope you enjoyed listening. Um, definitely check out our social media again at Mike and Dave pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'll be posting the tier list there so you can take a look at it as well as the story from the hot seat. That story about Matt Stafford as well, which is a pretty interesting read if you want to take a look at that. Um, and yeah, we'll see, we'll also see, um, about our bold and reasonable predictions. Let us know your thoughts on those as well. Um, I'm just looking forward to finally getting one right, to be honest with you. Hopefully I can get one right as well. Although you say you're looking forward to getting one right. I really hope your reasonable prediction is wrong, but we'll see. Um, Let us know your bold and reasonable predictions. And do you agree with our tier list? Did I mean, surely you're going to disagree with one of those 32 placements. I mean... You're entitled to be wrong as much as you want, but we'd love to talk that out with you. Uh, We had fun explaining why we thought each team is where we put it, and we'd love to hear your thoughts as well on uh, Facebook, probably the best avenue for that through the comment section. But yeah, this has been a great time. Um, As always, this is Mike. And this has been Dave, and you've been listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast. Podcast.